Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Welcome to episode three of the Woke and Wired podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so grateful for every single one of you giving this podcast a try, leaving your reviews that I'm seriously blown away by. This week's guest is Ruby Warrington. Ruby is a British lifestyle writer, founder of Cosmic Lifestyle Platform The Numinous, which I am a huge fan of, the co-founder of Sober Curious event series in New York called Club Soda, as well as co-founder of online spiritual mentoring program called The Moon Club. Ruby is a pioneer in bringing together the two worlds that have been separate for centuries. I'm talking about meditation and Chanel. Yep. Her tagline and the name of her book with HarperCollins are Material Girl, Mystical World. And her online magazine, The Numinous, is the now-age guide to a high-vibe life that bridges the gap between the mystical and the mainstream. And it's really a reflection of a larger societal awakening that's happening right now. In this episode that I am just super, super excited to share with you, Ruby shares how she monetizes her online magazine, what sober curious means, and how that became part of her life. This one is great for creative and online entrepreneurs. How bringing together different parts of your business under one umbrella brand can really help you have a more clear vision and understanding of your place in the world. Ruby also shares a major lesson she learned from launching products that did not sell. We also talk about overcoming anxiety over public speaking, how to do business the numinous way. Is goal setting actually important for success? We also touch upon the white privilege in the wellness industry. And this part could actually be my favorite part of the whole podcast, how your online performance, whether it's selling something online or your social media engagement or your traffic to your website, are simply a reflection of how you're feeling about yourself and your work offline. Fascinating, right? Those vibes and those energy waves just cannot go unnoticed by the people who are connected with you online. As always, let me know what you think about this episode. It's also available as a video on YouTube where you get a more in-person experience and you get to see our faces as we have this conversation. And if you enjoyed, please subscribe and leave a review. Oh, and heads up, during the recording of this episode, the sirens and the ambulances outside of my Brooklyn office decided to go crazy. So I appreciate your patience on this. So today on the podcast, I have Ruby Warrington, and Ruby and I met many moons ago, probably five years ago when I had just started Breakfast Criminals, and Lululemon reached out to me and asked me to blog for them, and I was just checking out the blog. First of all, I was over the moon, and then I was checking out their blog, and I came across these interviews and articles by Ruby Warrington, and they were all about mysticism and spirituality and interviews with entrepreneurs, just really cool stuff. And then I figured out that, oh my gosh, this girl lives in New York. I got to interview her. So <laughs> I interviewed her for breakfastcriminals.com. Again, it was such a long time ago. She shared with me her green smoothie recipe that she used to make for her and her husband for like three days in advance. Yes. I was like, wow, she knows how to really prepare. And nowadays, our paths just keep crossing. We just let a conscious communication workshop at a modeling agency in New York. We led another event a couple of months ago at Maha Rose that had to do with setting your intentions for the new year. And I'm just so stoked to have you here, Ruby, to tell us about things that you're up to today. Thanks for having me. I've forgotten that it had been so long. And I'd forgotten about sharing my smoothie recipe with you. I had only just gotten into having smoothies for breakfast at that point. So it was kind of like perfect timing that you found me. <laughs> Are you still into them? No, I'm on oatmeal these days. I prefer something kind of a bit more substantial in the morning, actually. Okay. Mm. Well, guys, if this was a recipe podcast, we'll keep talking about that. But that's why breakfastcrimals.com <laughs> exists. Go there for all the recipes. We're going to get into super juicy consciousness, spirituality, numinous kind of stuff. Yes. And so the first question I have for you, Ruby, mm. when I pull up your Instagram profile, mm. what it mm. says is official IG of the numinous.com, 
Ruby Warrington Club Soda NYC, Moon Club Co., Material Girl Mystical World, sign up for free weekly magazine. Mm-hmm. A lot of cool things. So many things. What do it really do? Yeah, and I've been thinking about that, that little profile thing recently. It's so dry. It's just like a list of the things I do. There's like zero personality in there. And something, what I'm doing right now, I'm actually doing a whole rebrand and repositioning of my overarching umbrella brand, which is called The Numinous, which is an online mystical lifestyle magazine. And since I launched it around five years ago, the same time that you started out, I have kind of spawned all these different offshoot projects. So Moon Club is like a digital membership spiritual mentoring program. The Numinous is completely free, so I've been putting out free content for five years and needed to find a way to monetize it. So Moon Club is kind of, it's additional, so you get lots of webinars, online workshops, there's a really proactive Facebook group, people get a special sort of moon magazine at the beginning of each moon cycle with rituals and things throughout the whole month. And then I also have Club Soda NYC, which is my Sober Curious event series. And that, again, came as something very personal, actually. Well, after I started the Numinous and started bringing all of these kind of mystical spiritual practices into my life, it really shone a light on how I was using alcohol in quite an unhealthy way. I hadn't ever considered myself to be a problem drinker, but actually bringing all of these different things into my life, I was feeling so much more connected to myself and just so much better about myself in general that I realized that I'd been using alcohol as a substitute, actually, for that kind of sense of wholeness and connection and aliveness, you know, that I was getting from all these other things. So Club Soda was dreamed up as a place for people to come together and just really investigate our relationships with alcohol. So now I have all of these things, I'm redoing my whole platform to kind of bring them all together in one place, because at the moment they're all separate websites and all separate everything. (laughs) And part of this rebranding has really been as well about bringing myself forward as the kind of like the connector of it all. It all comes back to me and my journey and Mm. what I'm learning and therefore able to teach. Whereas before I've been much more behind the scenes and had a much more kind of anonymous role I suppose so I was sharing with you that this week I've been doing my first Instagram stories but even things like my Instagram bio it's so dry I want to put some more of my self like some more of my personality into it Mm. so that kind of answers your questions in a a few ways that's what I'm doing right now is this big rebrand and then there are all the different projects that I manage oh and I'm also finishing my second book yay what's the name (laughs) sober curious the unexpected joy of not drinking Wow. So it's a book about, yeah, how to reframe or reinvestigate your our relationship with alcohol, like how we use it, what this substance really is in our lives, like the true impact that it has on us on mm. a physical, emotional, spiritual level. It's really fascinating to me. And yeah, it seems to be since I started the Club Soda event series just over two years ago, it's a conversation that's gathering so much momentum I hear it Mm. all the time now particularly in kind of wellness and spiritual circles like wow is drinking actually feels very much at odds with everything else Mm. we're teaching and doing in our lives so that's so interesting I remember when I started getting more into the healthier lifestyle and like going to yoga in the morning before work and trying to go to bed earlier and taking a bath you know all these rituals that really served my body they really didn't go along with going out to bars and dating and all the traditional things. Right. So for me, in that moment of time, immediately, my groups of friends were split into two. Mm-hmm. One were the ones that I used to hang out with because I just don't do those things anymore. And the other ones are like my yoga friends and my meditation buddies and people I go to India with. Mm. So it's so interesting how now, you know, a few years later, it's totally normal to like invite someone to a workout date or to like a green juice or a matcha. Mm -hmm. But back then it was so unheard of. And it's just beautiful how the world is totally opening up to that idea. It really is. And it's just another example, I think, of our evolution, our expansion of consciousness. The more educated and the more able we feel and supported we feel to be able to make choices, they're actually in alignment with ourselves versus just following what everyone else is doing. Mm. I think that so many more people are going, actually, yeah, alcohol doesn't make me feel good. And it's very out of alignment with so many of my other life goals, you know? So mm-hmm. this book is designed to help people along wherever they're at on that path, just sharing my own experiences, observations, 
tons of advice and some funny jokes too, I hope. <laughs> I love that. Um, so you actually mentioned something, you know, I thought I'd ask you after the podcast, mm. but then I thought, what if some of the listeners have that question too? So mm. I'm just going to ask now. Mm-hmm. I'm going through a very similar situation where I am currently known as the founder of Breakfast Criminals, mm. and I have all these other projects I have created right. that have been not really under Breakfast Criminals, but like on the side mm. or even umbrella brands. Mm-hmm. And so I've been working with someone to help me also create an umbrella and a cohesive place that shares the story of everything I've created and how it comes together and why it's all aligned. Mm. So I'm curious, is someone helping you with that or how are you working on yes. that? Yes, it began with, I decided I needed to get a new media deck because I didn't really have anything to send out to brands who wanted to work with me. And I knew of a designer, a graphic designer, who I really wanted to create this for me. And she said to me, you know, I can only actually do this if I do your whole branding, like from the bottom up. And it was a real moment of like, yeah, actually, it's time to invest in this because I'd already been thinking about, do I want to, how can I bring all these things together? So yeah, she's called Shauna Hader. Her company is called Branch. She's based out in Portland. Mm. And she's incredible. Mm. And it's been really helpful to to just work with someone on the look of that. I guess the work of of how do all of these things, these pieces come together, that was very much me just really feeling into it. Because particularly with the sober curious thing, now I'm writing a book on that, like how does that marry with this kind of cosmic mystical lifestyle? It could seem a little disparate. But for me, I actually, well, you know, Gail Larson, the incredible transformational speaking coach. And I'd already tapped into this idea of, well, for me, the commonality here is the idea of like emotional well-being. And I've always felt that the numinous which is my magazine, is about that, right? These spiritual practices that I cover, and that's everything from astrology through tarot, energy healing, shamanism, they're actually ways for us to tap into our emotional self, like the messages that we're getting from our emotions that we maybe can't hear, that are maybe just drowned out by all of the conditioning and the outside noises or substances or whatever. And then I thought, well, actually, this the sober curious thing is very much about that too, because a lot of the way I used alcohol and the way many of us do, whether we're conscious of it or not, is to shut out or to kind of like quieten down difficult mm. emotions, uncomfortable emotions. So this idea of emotional well-being was kind of coming through. And then with Gail, I was able to really refine it into a succinct mission statement that um, sort of like, yeah, that brings it all together for me. Mm. And guys, I'm going to link this in the show notes, but Gail Larson is the founder of the method called Transformational Speaking. And both Ruby and I have studied with her and it's had profound impact mm-hmm. on how I express myself, how I share myself with the world. Highly recommend checking out her audiobook, her work. I'm going to link all of that. Yeah, she's incredible. So my mission statement is, <laughs> do not fear your feelings for they are lighting the path to your full presence and the formidable power therein. Because for me, when we really think about healing or wellness, if it doesn't include the emotional piece, if we're still not connected to our emotional body, we're not whole. There's not, we're not able to operate and act and think and create from a place of wholeness. Mm. Because actually our emotions are the language of our soul. And that's like the deepest, deepest, most creative, most tapped in and connected part of us. So finding ways to connect to that part of ourselves, which you could say is the the numinous part of ourselves, mm. is I think such an important part of our work, whether it's with, within our families and our communities, whether it's going to a job and being like really showing up fully, or whether it's creating our own mm. projects in the world. So is that your new IG bio? Maybe. Maybe it should be. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the piece that really interests me most. You know, when I have these super deep, real, honest conversations with people and I really see them and I see what they're up to and then I look at their online presence and it doesn't represent what they do Mm. and this is exactly why I'm passionate about the work that I do with my conscious social media method is because people just don't naturally click those two of what we're thinking we're doing in the world and how we put it out there Mm. but once it clicks it's like oh my gosh I know who I am I know what I'm doing and Mm. people know exactly how to connect with me Mm. and more so I mean think bringing it down to bottom line you know I've put recently started putting out digital products I promote events and things and I never get like a huge pickup like people aren't like chomping at the bit to buy stuff from me and I've always been kind of disappointed and thinking maybe my products aren't that great but I had a real penny drop moment the other day it's like 
they don't know there's a human being behind here because I never show myself. There's no personality in it. And I think that if you're creating particularly digital products now where there's nothing like tangible to hold, there's no store to go in and get the look and feel of it. Mm-hmm. You have to have like a, there has to be some personality in your digital presence, you know? And I think that, yeah, there's been a big, I think that people could look at my stuff because I come from a background in fashion magazines and I want it all to look really slick and beautiful. And I think that that can be, could be alienating for some people, actually. Mm. They might think that's not for me. Whereas actually I'm like messy, curly hair and super emotionally led and like, so how do you mirror really, the two? Well, this is what I'm beginning to investigate. I did a bunch of Instagram stories with my curly hair today, which felt really liberating. <laughs> I love that. And I had a great feedback. People were really reaching out and like engaging in a way that mm. I haven't experienced on Instagram before. Mm. So that's the thing that I actually just remembered that really got me about the numinous the first time I discovered it. I come from a fashion background. As mm. a teenager, it was my dream to be in the fashion world. I'd spend a lot of money on expensive glossy magazines back in Moscow. <laughs> and I would just live through the pages of Jalouse, which was a French mm-hmm. magazine, Officiel, Bazaar. I was obsessed. I knew the name of every editor, of every designer. I knew all the collections. <laughs> and once blogs came out, I also was obsessed with following every editorial life journal there was. Remember life journal? Mm, yes. I would follow all of them. And anytime new editorial would come out, I would just be obsessing over them. <laughs> and I remember discovering your work at that point. I was already, you know, into meditation and yoga training. And I saw that you were talking about those things. But the images you were using were not like meditating on a mountaintop in Indian clothes. But it was like super cheap, high fashion images. Yes. And for me, that was such a stark contrast to what was already out there. And I was like, wow, this is a really fresh and new. And so now it's interesting that you are bringing in more realness. So, and that's a huge trend in the digital space right now. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I'm working with clients, I'm noticing that to really get traction, you have to be really real, vulnerable, authentic, and really share yourself fully, mm-hmm. you know, like to a certain degree, of course, to where you feel comfortable, but really share yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder... How do you see yourself? First, what was the point when you decided, okay, I need to put more of my personality out there? And how are you empowering yourself to do that? Well, I think, first of all, in terms of having that really slick, beautiful kind of look, it is what differentiates the numinous. And I that was my intention. So I'm so happy it landed that way. But my exact intention when I created it was like, I'm so fascinated with all these subjects. And yet it's always a picture of someone meditating on a mountain in Indian clothes. And that's just like not something I identify with. And why can't I also meditate in Chanel, like on a beautiful chair and, and under a chandelier and like an amazing hotel, like, you know, yeah. so I'm really happy that that came through. And I think my platform can still be that. And then it's almost like that behind the scenes on a model photo shoot, right? So, you know, the images are beautiful. We all know by now that those images are retouched, like beyond mm. and like, that's not reality. We still want to see that kind of as an art form. But then we're also fascinated by the behind the scenes, like who are these people? Mm -hmm. So I think that just, yeah, keeping more of them personality in a behind the scenes way, like in an Instagram stories or a little, yeah, that kind of a thing. And then keeping the the platform just true to its kind of like fashion background Mm -hmm. roots, I suppose. How am I empowering myself to do it? I'm literally, it feels a bit like a kind of, if you're familiar with the tarot, the full card is the first card in the deck and it's actually zero number zero and the fool represents you pull the fool it means there's this kind of like just leap that you're really ready for in your heart you're just going to like leap without really engaging too much head just because you're enthusiastic and it mm-hmm. feels like a yes <laughs> and I'm kind of yeah I'm trying not to overthink it but I think I really did have a realization maybe a month or so ago beginning to sell more products beginning to do more retreats and just like well, of course, people aren't going to like sign up straight away. They don't know me. Like, they don't know who I am. Why would they commit to coming on a retreat with me if they've never like experienced the way that I talk? Or it's one thing to experience my writing. Mm-hmm. But it's actually quite different to see the personality behind it, I think. Mm-hmm. So I just think that for the sake of my business and in order to really serve in the best way that I can... Yeah, why be shy? Mm -hmm. I also, funnily enough, I do record like a monthly podcast style interview for Moon Club. And I did one recently 
with one of my numinous contributors and listening back, I was not sound egotistical. I was listening back and I was like, wow, I actually have quite a nice voice. <laughs> I have this kind of like soft kind of English accent. Like it's actually quite a nice voice. Like why am I not using that? Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of people who don't have a nice voice and still put their message out there because it's more, you know, it's more important. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I no, but no. I yeah. But it that it kind of gave me some confidence mm-hmm. to think like yeah. Mm-hmm. I think again, I've always been. I've been a writer like so before starting the numinous. I had like fifteen, sixteen years in journalism, always writing, never speaking. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I went on Gail's retreat is because speaking has always been a very fearful thing for me. And so it's something. When my first book came out, I really um, was asked, getting asked to speak a lot more. And it was just so painfully uncomfortable every time that it was having a majorly negative impact on my life, like the anxiety and stress. It's like, I actually need to, I really need to address this. Mm. And so I think just getting more confident with speaking in general has made me feel more confident about sharing Mm. in that way. Mm -hmm. I get that. Mm -hmm. So you just mentioned something. You said you were talking about that feeling where sometimes it's just like totally emotional. Yes. Mm. How does it work for you as someone who has started the Moon Club? You've had those sweatshirts with chakra on them. <laughs> yeah. You have the numinous, you've written books. How do you pull from the sea of different ideas and choose the ones that you're actually going to pursue? And then how do you also go about choosing who you're going to co-create this with? Because mm. the Moon Club, you've co-created with Alexandra Rocks, mm-hmm. right? That's right, yeah. So managing those all the little parts and co-creating with someone else that's like a whole different game it is and it's definitely something that's still a work in process progress for me i suppose i'm naturally you know i'm an aries which is very kind of hot-headed and i'm a sagittarius rising which is quite a risk-taking sign so i you know i get very enthusiastic about things and i have tons of ideas and i often have kind of like just leapt into things without thinking through properly and it means i've done tons of cool stuff but not all of them have succeeded or kind of like paid off in mm-hmm. in terms of an equal exchange for the energy that I've put into them so definitely something I'm learning and how do I decide now oh my gosh there's storm crazy oh, storm coming up you were right oh my goodness okay <laughs> there's some like, trembling guys know that there's a storm coming into Brooklyn but we're safe mm-hmm. yeah cool so Alexandra and I actually just made a pact this weekend that we're going to consult with each other before saying yes to anything going forward, not just about Moon Club, but anything in our lives. Just have a quick touch base, just quickly talk it through with each other. Hey, this has been offered to me or I had this idea. Let's just talk it through. So I did some work with a coach a couple of years ago and she gave me some advice, which I haven't actually followed very well, but I do come back to sometimes. And she was like, it's only a yes if it a, pays really well. B, is going to somehow further your, your mission in the world. Or three, gives you energy rather than depletes energy. Do it have to be all three? Ideally, all three. Okay. What's the minimum? <laughs> the minimum of maybe two of them. <laughs> no, I guess if it, if it is a major box tick in one of those, then you just need to weigh up against the others. Because at the time, I was just juggling so many things without an assistant or anything that I was just running on empty the whole time and miserable because of it you know it's kind of like well what's the point of having a career and a life that I that's based on all the things I love if I'm miserable doing it because I'm just tired and stretched so thin you know Mm. so that was good advice but I still didn't really follow it until recently and so it's actually been second writing the second book having not taken that advice during my first book and been writing while juggling a million other things and running myself very very thin This book, I was like, right, I'm just going to pause pretty much everything until the book is done. And it has felt so good. Mm. It means that when I do say yes to something, like coming to do this with you today, it's not like a mad scramble. I don't resent it. It's like Mm. one of maybe two extra things besides writing that I'm doing this week. Mm. I think a lot of my scrambling around to kind of do everything before was a mixture of excitement and just being a naturally creative person and this kind of scarcity mentality of like, if I don't say yes to this or if I don't put this out, then everything's going to be taken away from me or another job won't come up or which so, I've been working with as well. You said that you, you're not really always following those that rules. Mm. So what do you follow when an offer comes through? How do you check in with yourself to feel out whether that's something mm. you're going to say yes or no to? 
I guess just through practice. I mean, I have a regular meditation practice now. I've been meditating daily for, I guess, about two and a half years. I do yoga most days, the not drinking. Like these are my kind of like the key sort of like physical practices and just making sure I have enough sleep, which all of those things help with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have got really good at or quite well versed in what feels like a yes in my body. More so, I've got used to actually paying attention to those little kind of doubts, which can just be a little kind of feeling in the little bit of your stomach, like, mm. Mm, there's a little doubt. <laughs> and again, I don't really have words for them because they're, they're numinous, they're feelings, right? There aren't many words. You all know how it feels for you. But like those, we can always feel when there's a niggle of doubt. In the past, I maybe would have just kind of ignored that. Now I'm much more likely to pay attention to it. And then really do the, the practical questioning. Okay, there's a slight doubt here, but wait, is this a brand that I really, really love? Is this paycheck going to support me for the next three months so I can like, focus on the other things I want to do? Like, then you can start asking those more practical mm. questions. But checking in with that, is it aligned? Like, is it aligned? Mm. And yeah, you said, like, who do, how do I choose who to collaborate with? I mean, it's just people. When I first met my husband 20 years ago, I asked him to marry me after a year. What? Having turned down three proposals from my previous boyfriend because I just knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. But I was so certain about connecting with him, about being with him. I knew he'd be in my life forever. And again, it was just a feeling. And I meet people like that, not all the time, but you know, I, you know when you meet someone, mm-hmm. there's chemistry. There just mm-hmm. is or there isn't. And so that's really how I choose my collaborations. Mm-hmm. It's really based on like, do I love this person? Mm-hmm. Do I really vibe with this person mm-hmm. and if not then I know it's not really going to be a fulfilling partnership mm. you know I'm a big proponent of going with your gut when mm. choosing either personal connections like that or business and more recently I keep finding that I go through waves one day it's like a total no and that might be just because I need space away from everything. Mm. And then another day, I'm just obsessed with the idea. Mm. So it's interesting that within that yes or no and following the intuition, there's also like those feminine or yeah. not, I don't know, waves. Yeah, it's true. Like I was saying about, you know, oh, God, it's felt really good to do Instagram stories the past, past couple of days. I know me well enough to know by now that at some point in the next week or two weeks, I'll be like, oh, my God, I'm not doing Instagram stories ever again. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Yes. And just, yeah, not feeling like, oh, I've got to change everything now. And just trusting that mm-hmm. the yeses and the noes, they come and they go. And they, yeah. I think with people, though, I really do get a sense when I meet someone, like if it's, uh, mm-hmm. if there's chemistry there or not. So, how is doing a business the numinous way? What is that like? You know, on top of what we just talked about, the alignment connecting with your mission and making sure it feels right. Is there anything else on the business side of things that you do that is different? I have in the past kind of like given my employees or collaborators like healing sessions as bonuses, (laughs) (laughs) things like that. I'm not a, if you have to cry, go outside kind of person. And like, if you need to cry right now, we can do that and hug it out and I'll listen to what's happening for you. I don't have kind of like strict rules around that. I'm quite maternal in that sense with the people I work with. I guess, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really not very good at planning and scheduling. So I'm much more on the intuitive vibe of things, which mm. it's working out for me pretty well. Even though mm. my husband, who works in corporate and is like super Virgo mm. kind of structured about things, he's always telling me, you need a five-year plan. You're never going to be able to achieve your goals unless you know what your goals are. And I kind of like, mm. I kind of know, I just... <laughs> like psychically know my goals without having to have them written down on paper and I'd rather leave that kind of wiggle room so you don't write your goals down at all no I don't you don't journal about them no wow I know if I do journaling it's much more about like how am I feeling or a specific situation I'm going through to to resolve something that's kind of like feels stuck for me in terms of goals no it's more just I kind of know where I'm going I don't really feel the need to I sort of feel like writing it down will contain it in some way Mm. and actually I like to keep it more expansive you know the sort of like big picture to create content that serves people to feel really empowered and connect with their emotions that's like the goal right and so everything I do and I think it comes back to the mission statement like Mm. everything I like that mission statement is my goal so I can do a very quick sort of 
intuitive touch base with that. That's so interesting because, you know, that just proves that there is not one way and it works differently for everyone. Because mm. for me, every, I feel like every single thing I've wanted, I had, I've had to, not had to, but I have written it down first. Mm. Everything from the brands I've collaborated with mm-hmm. to the contracts that I sign and how much money I'm paid to my boyfriend, to my mm. apartment. Mm. You know, sometimes it's written with words and sometimes it's Pinterest. Like I literally pinned a board and then this came true that looks just like it. So Amazing. I guess it's different. And also when I write things down and goals down, I tend to write this or more or better. Mm, mm. So that way it won't limit me to something. You know what you're inspiring me? Maybe part of this whole new, I mean, we've, we're going to have Uranus moving into Taurus. So that's happening mid-May and it's going to be a new seven-year cycle that we're entering. So Uranus is the planet which rules kind of like revolution, change, like sudden change, kind of new technology new visions like futuristic visions and it's moving into Taurus which is the sign of finance in the material world and how we are paid for our value how we achieve our value in the world and we've just had Uranus in Aries for seven years which has been very much about personal individual transformation of like who am I like just Mm -hmm. kind of revolutionizing our sense of self and so maybe, maybe as we go into this Taurus maybe I'll do an experiment you know what I find (laughs) I find that I sometimes think that's here and I think something is clear to me, but once I start actually sitting down and writing it down, it gets like the whole vision comes together and becomes Mm. so much more real. Mm. And then I can actually feel my way into it Mm -hmm. and make it manifested. Mm -hmm. So, and lately it's so interesting that you're saying this about astrology. I don't really understand it, but I'm fascinated by it. And if last, you know, like the last seven years maybe were, who am I? And mm. in the last year or so, it's been like, what do I want to be doing? Like anytime mm. I journal and I feel like I want to refocus and find my compass again, mm-hmm. I write down, what do I want to be doing? Mm. So it's very interesting how that's... Yeah, mer- well, we've been feeling, because it's a, such a slow-moving planet, it's what they call a generational planet, it just changes every seven years. We've been feeling the onset of this new ingress, they call it, for the, about the past year, 18 months or so. So where, yeah, our minds would have been much more focused on like, hmm, getting into the nitty gritty of this, like, how do I actually, what are the things in the material world, like you mm-hmm. launching your love bowls, you know, I mean, yeah. The heart bowls, guys. The heart bowls. <laughs> so, okay, here's a very numinous question. Are you ready for Okay, it? yes. Do you feel that how you're feeling about yourself and your business in real life gets reflected on how you're doing on Instagram, you know, all of that, your business, your sales, all of that. 100%. Absolutely. The more relaxed, calm and excited I feel about what I'm putting out into the world, the more comments I get, the more feedback I get, the more engagement I get. Definitely 100%. And I think it's about the energy that I'm bringing to the platform. When I feel, when it feels like an obligation, when it feels like I'm just going through the motions. Oh, I've got to hit my quota of like two posts for today or whatever it is. People just don't respond. I think they can feel that energy one definitely. And it goes the other way too. Like for example, I recently did a post about a friend's book. It's called Thin From Within. And it was kind of like a spiritual idea, like weight loss idea. It's kind of like, well, it's kind of saying if you, if you tune into your intuition and go with your gut, you will naturally kind of come to the, the size that you're meant to be. And I felt kind of nervous about support. Again, it was this niggle of like, I knew I wanted to have a conversation around this whole idea of like weight and spirituality and body image and stuff. But I was kind of nervous putting it out there. And the feedback was uniformly negative. Because I think I put it out there in the sense of like, oh, I feel a bit icky putting this out there. I don't know, should I be doing this? And people responded to that going, yes, it's icky and you shouldn't be doing this, you know? Whereas if I'd have gone into it saying, hey, this is a really important subject and we need to talk about it. Mm. The response I think would have been, yeah, do, and much more positive. So so it's not necessarily about the thing, but it's about our us being the messenger. Exactly. And like the energy that we're bringing to whatever conversation it is, you know, whether it's in our comment box, whether it's a blog post, whether it's a podcast, whatever the energy that we're bringing to it, I think is the energy that will get back. I completely And it's the agree. same thing if you think about going to a party, right? If you turn up at a dinner party and you're all kind of like, 
I can't be here. No one's no one's gonna come over and talk to you. But if you walk in, like, hey guys. <laughs> so I mean, the other thing is I can't fake it. Like I I can't just I I don't have any practices. If that was gonna be your next question, for like getting me in the mood when I'm not. Like I'm just in the mood or I'm not. And so mm-hmm. something else I've I work with is just really kind of embracing my own inconsistency. Mm-hmm. I think we're taught like the old school way to think about branding in particular is like consistency is what people respond to. They want like same thing day in, day out. And I get that, but that's not who I am as a human being. So inconsistency is like part of my brand. Mm-hmm. And I think actually that's the kind of thing I can start sharing more on stories. Like, hey, I haven't been on here for three days because I've just like really not been in the mood and I'm not going to fake it with you guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Totally on the same page with you. It's like, you know, when I teach people, when they ask me how often I should be posting, mm. I tell everyone, hey, I can give you a whole strategy. These are the best times and these are the best days. And But do I follow that myself? <laughs> no. And I'm very open about it. I post mm-hmm. when I genuinely feel like I have something to share. It's mm-hmm. bigger than me. Mm. And when I'm feeling like I need some space to take care of myself and my own heart, I just go inside yeah. and I hang out there. So I love, 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 love that I'm not the only crazy one saying that <laughs> there's energy to every post share online and people actually can sense it. It's quantum physics and it's like, we don't see the light, mm-hmm. but it's there. We don't see how Wi-Fi works, mm-hmm. but it's, it's there. there. It's the same. Like I see it from other people I follow as well. I can feel when someone's really excited to be there and mm-hmm. that's what feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It. Yes, me too. Thanks for asking. So... <laughs> Actually, speaking of relaxed, calm, and excited, mm. what does make you feel that way? Lots of sleep. Sleep is very, very important to me. And that might be, you know, I just turned 42. And so I think that is something about just kind of like generally my body needing longer to like regenerate and stuff. But I really, and then, well, beyond that, I mean, if you look at, you know, Ayurveda and any kind of ancient sort of philosophies about wellness like having a really kind of regular routine bedtime wise it just so happens that when my body gets tired is about 9 30 p.m so i'm generally in bed by 9 30 and i love it mm. <laughs> and on it like sleep is honestly the number one thing and it's funny like i that's not a particularly mystical answer but actually what's more <laughs> mystical than sleep like yeah. lift, honestly where do we go when we sleep like how i mean we go to a whole other dimension mm-hmm. like <laughs> Some people say that we even leave our bodies when we sleep and we go off to kind of like another realm and that's where our dreams are happening and where we get this kind of like deep, luminous sort of regeneration happens. I was just reading uh, Wayne Dyer's book mm. and there's a whole chapter about sleep mm. and it says that the last five minutes of our day could be the most important ones because we tell our subconscious where to spend the whole night. Oh, wow. And yeah. We can go really far and everything gets programmed for the next day and for the next day and for the next day. Yes. So it's really our responsibility to think about things we want to attract more of in our life in mm. the last five minutes of the day. I love that. I mean, I always read for about 20 minutes before going to sleep. Mm. Usually novels, because I like, that's a way that I switch off as well. Like being such a communicator and constantly learning and sharing and writing and teaching like I really just my way of switching off Mm. is just to read a novel and read a story and kind of go into that like fantasy space Mm. so yeah that's how I spend my last five minutes (laughs) so before we get to a couple of really fun questions Mm -hmm. what are your favorite not that this is not fun come on but what are your favorite energy and mystical practices right now astrology is just always like my go-to I adore astrology. It was the, I've loved it since I was a little kid. And I, um, yeah, it was the impetus behind starting the newness really. And the more I study, the more I learn, the more in love with astrology I am. Like the more I'm able to use it as a tool, I can only imagine like English is your second language. I can imagine like when you find, you learn a language to the point where you're fluent, it must just be so satisfying yes. to be like, I've got this new toy to play yes. with. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that about astrology. And it's only really recently after like years and years of study and practice long getting to that point. So um, astrology, I'm kind of re-in love with, I suppose. I do love doing breath work, which is a kind of energetic breathing technique that is led in a, in a sort of a session by a, an instructor. I love Erin Telford's sessions. She does them to amazing soundtracks and she kind of anoints you with oils and puts crystals in your hands while you're doing the breathing, which is happening while you're lying down and 
eyes are closed. And that's been a very, very healing practice for me. I find it very intense though. It's kind of like this psychedelic experience (laughs) and not always, I mean, physically it's demanding because your body gets really kind of like tense. And so it's often five minutes into it. I'm often like, why am I here again? (laughs) And then loving it. So that's something I really enjoy. Yoga, I do most days, but I have a very kind of just at home in my sweatpants, like 30 minutes a day type practice. So yeah, I suppose those are my, those are my faves. I should have you take over breakfast from all the one morning to show us your routines. Oh yeah. Including your sweatpant yoga. Yeah. So here are yoga in sweatpants and not in fancy yoga pants, guys. You don't need fancy yoga pants, although they're nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So ready for the fun questions? Yes. What was your first screen name? First screen name? Mm-hmm. Like AIM or ICQ. What did you have use? What do you mean? Your first messenger. Oh, my first messenger? It's probably just Ruby Warrior. Or even Ruby Shepherd. Oh, was that your maiden name? Shepherd is my maiden name, yeah. Before I got married. I see. Yeah. Was that not a thing when you were growing up? No. Like when you were a teenager? No. Messengers? No. That's so funny. What about chat rooms? No. I mean, they were around, but I, it was like, it wasn't like a big thing that I was into. It's so funny. That was... No, this is where generations different. Yes. This is what I mean. We were discussing before we came on that I didn't <laughs> grow up with the internet. So like, there's all these things I didn't have. I only got wow. email when I was like 21. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so, so my first email was probably ruby.shepherd at hotmail.com or something. That is hilarious. <laughs> you didn't have like the whole phase of crazy... I didn't even have a MySpace. No. <laughs> Did you play computer games at all? No. Okay. Wow. So, <laughs> all right then. Um, Wait, there was a computer game that my dad had on his, on his PC, and it was literally like a black screen with these little green characters, and it was called Heads Over Heels, and it was kind of it was so great. Me and my brother were obsessed with it, and it was kind of this series of rooms that these cute little characters had to kind of find their ways out mm-hmm. of. You'd find your way into another room, and then it was like this whole other puzzle. <laughs> Um, mine were just building roller coaster parks and raising people. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking. Okay, so if you grew up in the age when there was no internet, mm-hmm. what do you miss the most about those times, if being, anything? Being anonymous. For all that we're saying about like how great it is to be in a community and to be sharing, there is, I feel, a degree of pressure that comes with that, and that's something I'm dancing with. You know, and we can find ways to kind of manage that, but. Just the idea of like, yeah, just being anonymous. And I think that the other thing is like, if there was some amazing concert or nightclub or something, you had to be there to experience it. It was a real age of like, you you almost had to put yourself out there in uncomfortable kind of like awkward, scary situations sometimes if you wanted to experience something. And we don't necessarily have that mm-hmm. so much anymore, you know? So I think I do, I do miss those things. Maybe it's not like I'm glad I had those experiences because I also do love our interconnected and, yeah, sort of like transparent world, I suppose. Mm, That's so interesting. So you mentioned in the workshop we did a couple of days ago that on the weekends you switch off completely. Mm. You announce on your stories, you're like, peace, Mm -hmm. I'm switching off for the weekend. Mm -hmm. What is that one of the ways you set boundaries with technology? Yes. And that's been fairly new too. That happened when I went... I booked a, a house in Joshua Tree for Christmas for just my husband and I. We'd already done all the family stuff at Thanksgiving and um, turned up at this amazing house right on the desert. And I'm like looking around everywhere for the Wi-Fi code. <laughs> so I call the woman whose house it is. I'm like, where's the, what? and she's like, oh, there's no Wi-Fi. And because we were like in, like really out in the desert, there was barely any reception. And at first I panicked slightly. And then I was like, well, I'm on vacation. So okay and I felt my body relax in a way that I hadn't probably in seven years since starting my own business in the space of literally like 24 hours and it was such a revelation as to how whether or not I'm actually using the technology just the subconscious awareness that it's there is using energy Mm -hmm. and when I because when I say I felt more relaxed I mean I felt more energized like I just felt more present and that was it felt so good I was like I really want to find a way to have this in back in the city and so yeah I don't completely switch off like I don't unplug our wi-fi at the weekend although that could be quite good idea (laughs) but I delete the Instagram app 
off my phone on Friday night. After having let everyone know I'm not going to be here, some people obviously because of the algorithm don't see that and they there has been instances where someone posted something and I didn't reply and they got really annoyed with me. Um, and then I put it back on kind of like 11 a.m. or so Monday. Yeah, and it's really, really helped me to just kind of find some grounding, some anchoring, just like come back to myself and recharge, you know. I think that as an entrepreneur, you'll know this and many people will be away. There isn't really an off. There isn't really a, it's become, you know, a, a, a work Right. Like it's all seamlessly just rolls into one, which can be wonderful in so many ways, especially when you're working on something you love and it can be very draining. Mm. So this has been a way for me to kind of create my own office hours because I actually take it off at about 8 p.m. at night and put it on weeknights as well. I'm off in the evenings, weeknights as well. That's so great. Yeah. I find that it's my feelings about it are very different when... I intentionally, like in December, I went on a week-long retreat with no technology at all on a yes, lake. I remember. <laughs> that was fantastic. I just mm. switched off my phone. I didn't turn it on once. Mm-hmm. But last night, I went to this evening seminar, and I forgot my phone. Mm. I was so anxious. And I'm not normally an anxious person. I was not recognizing myself. Mm. We took an Uber back, and my boyfriend ordered it. Mm. And I was like, how am I going to do a whole Uber ride without my phone? What am I going to do? Wow. It was so crazy to catch myself having those yeah. thoughts and just being present to my addiction. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I had an idea. I just didn't realize to which extent I yes. was addicted to my phone. It is super addictive. It's designed that way. There was a really great interview, and you can probably find it online. A great interview. It's a big cover story in New York Magazine. And it was speaking to all of these kind of like the heads of the, the, the kind of internet industry from back from like the past 20, 30 years talking to them all about how it had been designed, how it had been tweaked, like how it specifically has become more and more addictive. And it's designed that way to keep our, our attention is the biggest commodity in the world now. The longer we spend on a site, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Google, whether it's YouTube, the more money they can sell the ads for. Mm-hmm. So everything is about keeping our attention there for as long as possible. And so how do they do that? By making it as addictive as possible. Mm-hmm. So it is on us to recognize that and to create our own boundaries around it, you know, and to find ways to use it that allow us to actually just be human beings still and to feel like it's okay to have an hour, what, 40 minutes Mm -hmm. in the cab when all you can do is like, maybe there's nothing to do and maybe that's okay too. And, but it's also okay to give attention to this podcast, whether you're listening to it, it is. or listening to it on YouTube. <laughs> but I think one, that's one reason people have really, really taken to podcasts so much, because it allows you to split your attention in a way. It's not demanding all of your attention unless you're watching, which is beautiful too. But um, people like listening to podcasts while they're doing something else. So I think it's, um, it's a kind of a different way to consume content. Mm-hmm. But if you guys do want to watch us, this podcast is on YouTube too, so we're waving at you right now. It's there. <laughs> we're human beings. <laughs> it's, it's linked below the show notes. So, yeah. <laughs> Ruby, this has been so incredible to talk to you about all the things that I care about the most. And my last question to you for now mm-hmm. is, what's making you feel most woke right now? Ooh, an interesting question. So... On Instagram, there's a lot of conversations around what it means to be a white woman in the wellness industry. I don't know if you've been following, there are certain feeds where this conversation is very alive and it can get very reactive and it can be quite, it's very charged. And lots of it's around, well, there's so much white privilege in this industry. How is that fulfilling the mission? It's like, well, I want to be able to like heal and help everybody to feel better about themselves. Is it really speaking to everybody? And so it's been very triggering a lot of that, like a lot of what that's kind of like maybe confront about myself and like who I am as a person in the world and the kind of brand I have and how accessible it really is and how it can really be kind of helping a diverse audience, I suppose. And of course, because it's been triggering and difficult to look at, it's also been the most kind of like awakening conversation that has been playing for me recently. So where I'm doing this numinous rebrand I've been really kind of feeding into well what is my mission statement how can I make my platform as diverse as possible so that it's not alienating to anybody and also so that it's serving serving in the best way that it can so it's been a difficult conversation there are certain Instagram accounts I've been so close to deleting because I'm like this is so triggering for me right now and then I'm like nope 
this is you need to hear this <laughs> you know just like stay with it stay with it keep listening keep going in keep like speaking to people that you trust about these difficult conversations and um yeah just keep keep going through it so that's instead been, of pulling away instead of pulling through. away and being like oh I don't need to hear this I don't want to hear this that doesn't apply to me anyway because we're actually really listening to what's being said and taking it all on board you know but but the key piece being ha- having people that I trust and can kind of like converse with and process that with in real time as well mm, yeah this is really powerful mm. what a great reminder you know when it's uncomfortable it's such a human tendency to just be like oh unfollow not interested exactly but really being with it, whether it's something outside or something inside, for me, that's been a fairly recent practice of mm-hmm. really sitting with my uncomfortable feelings, emotions, and thoughts mm-hmm. and finding incredible things on the back end there. Exactly. That's the only way that we can learn and develop and grow and actually grow our communities also, you know? It's like, you was, you know, the opposite of addiction, like addiction, when we're addicted to something, whether it's alcohol or social media, we're not addicted to that thing. We're addicted of escaping from the present moment because there's something about being here, me now in this present moment that is uncomfortable. And for some people, depending on trauma that's been experienced or whatever's going on in their lives, that can be even, that can be unbearable. But often it can just be like a feeling of like, it, you know, mm. that we don't want to be with for whatever reason, because uncovering that might mean some extra work on our part, mm. or it might mean like having a difficult conversation with someone. Or mm. So we find all these ways to literally escape from the present moment. Hmm. And hey, the one thing I always say is the only Zen we find at the top of the mountain is the one that we bring there. I didn't create that. That's the same. That. But it's the same with social media, you know? Mm. If we expect difficult, challenging conversations and judgment and all of that, we're going to find that there. Mm-hmm. But if we see it as a possibility, like, look at you, you created this whole platform exactly. that helps so many people connect better with, better with themselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm so stoked that we got to have this conversation and Tell everyone to all our podcast listeners everywhere, what's the best way to connect with you? On Instagram, (laughs) Monday to Friday, office hours (laughs) at the underscore numinous is really where it's the hub for everything that I share across all my different projects. So yeah, I'm hosting a retreat um, July 5th to 8th up at Kripalu with Alexandra. It's a moon club retreat themed around how to find and use your voice in the world. So I'm really excited about that. And there'll be more once I've got this book out of the way, I'm going to start booking in other events and live activations too. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> and I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as I did recording it. And please connect with me on Instagram at Woke and Wired. I would love to know who you'd like me to interview next and if there are any particular questions you'd like me to ask them. Stay woke. Stay wired and have an amazing week. Stay woke.